1976, God called God called H. Charles Green Jr. to Orlando, Florida. We know him as Chuck to start a PCA church, in which he did at a storefront in downtown Orlando. God blessed Chuck and his ministry immensely as we moved to our Trinity Woods campus and then to here. It's Chuck Green who not only started this church, but started Orangewood Christian School, uh, was a founding pastor of the Central Florida Presbytery, uh, helped plant Pine Ridge Presbyterian Church, Willow Creek Presbyterian Church, University Presbyterian Church. Uh, Since then, we've also planted New City Presbyterian Church and Uh, Chuck has been my pastor, he's been my mentor, he's been my friend for many years. I came uh, uh, into ministry under his leadership, and it's such a joy to have you preach God's word. Chuck's not feeling 100%, his voice is a little different, so I'm going to pray for you as as I sit down, okay? Father God, we thank you for this godly man, this servant of yours, this amazing, strong servant that you have raised up to bring great fame to the name of Jesus. God, we ask your richest blessing upon him. We thank you. We thank you that his fingerprints are all over Orangewood and they all point us to Jesus. So come and give him strength. Come give him joy and give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. His name? Jeffrey Peter Jakes. The date, May 9th, 2013, a Sunday morning, 7 o'clock a.m., my phone rings, and it is our pastor saying that he is sick as a dog, and is there any way that I could preach for him that morning? I was uh, a little sick myself, but I knew one of us had to be unbroken, So I was happy to do it, and by the next day, on Monday, Jeff was feeling great, uh, but I wasn't, and I had to be admitted to the hospital with walking pneumonia, or in my case, rolling pneumonia. <laughs> the next day, I had congestive heart failure, and who comes lumbering into the ICU but our pastor as only he can lumber. (laughs) And nobody I'd rather see than our pastor until he opened his mouth. (laughs) He said, Chuck, if you don't make it, do you know the grief that I'm going to have to endure? (laughs) He's pulling for me to make it for his sake. Then he says, by the way, he whispers, he said, I brought you a sub from Cappy's. (laughs) Jeff, I can't eat that sub in here, so you know what happened. (laughs) Duh. That's your boss, mentor, and role model.
thinking about commissioning Dave into the gospel ministry and wanting to have a message that ministers to him and his family, but also ministers to the whole flock. I've chosen this passage out of John chapter 21 when Jesus commissions Peter for ministry. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John 21. If not, it'll be on the big screen. Let me say that uh, this is God's word. Actually, it's the only perfect part of this worship service. So let's all try and pay attention. After these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and he manifested himself in this way. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will come also with you. They went out, got into the boat. That night they caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus therefore said to them, children, isn't it great? Calls them children. Children, you do not have any fish, do you? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find a catch. They cast, therefore, and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. That disciple, therefore, whom Jesus loved. Now, let's pause there just for a minute. It's mentioned there a few times. The disciple whom Jesus loved. It's mentioned in this passage in verse 20. Again, the disciple whom Jesus loved. If we go back one chapter to chapter 20 of John, let's look at a couple verses here. Now, on the first day of the week, this is Easter Sunday now, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. And so she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, who's he talking about there? John. Who wrote this? John. None of the other gospel writers say that there was a disciple that Jesus loved more than the others. But John, and John's humble enough, he doesn't want to mention his name. But John just really feels loved by Jesus. He just really thinks Jesus loves him the most. Isn't it great that when God writes a scripture, he doesn't circumvent the personalities of the, uh, of the authors he chose to do it. John believes that he was loved more than anybody else. Now we can contrast this with Peter, who we're going to see in a couple of minutes. Peter didn't believe that Jesus could possibly love him after what he'd done to him. Where do you fall on that continuum? Are you like John? Jesus, you just think Jesus loves you the best? Or maybe you're like Peter. How could Jesus possibly love me after what I've done? 
Jesus loves both. And he forgives both. And he now comes to the place where he says, Peter, it's now time for you to move on. But before we jump back into John 21, look at something else here about John in chapter 20. Go back to chapter 20, verse 2. So she ran and came to Simon Peter, to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb. We do not know where they've laid him. Peter therefore went forth and the other disciple, and they were going to the tomb. And the two were running together, and the other disciple got there ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. Now, my friends, there is no redemptive reason we need to know who won that foot race. <laughs> but John was determined that he was going to put in the scriptures that he outran Peter. He was faster. It's almost like he's saying, oh, you've heard a lot about Peter. Let me tell you this. I'm the faster. Isn't this great stuff? Dave, teach people to love the word of God. Pastors come and go. People change churches. But the greatest legacy you can have in anyone's life is to teach them to love the word of God. Going back to John 21 now, verse 7. That disciple, therefore, Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. And so when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat. Interesting. Always look at uh, descriptive words in Scripture, adjectives and adjectives. It's a little boat. They came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, about a 100 yards They were dragging the net full of fish. So when they got out upon the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid and fish placed on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of large fish again. Large fish. 153 Although there were so many, the net was not even torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave them and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now let's pause there for a minute and kind of get a feel for the, for the setting here. This is about a week after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. And Jesus had appeared to the disciples on two occasions, and so they knew that he was risen from the dead, but they didn't quite know what was next. Now, for three years, they woke up every morning with Jesus, and Jesus set the agenda, and they just followed him. But now, all of a sudden, you kind of get a sense that they're 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 bored. They don't know what to do. What are we going to do now? And Peter really feels bad because he denied his Lord. And while he'd seen him in a group, he'd never quite got to apologize to him or really be reconciled to Jesus. Peter said, I'm going fishing. Now, we know that this was Peter's occupation, wasn't it? 
But for the last three years, we don't have any record that Peter went fishing. This might be first time he's gone fishing in three years. Maybe not, but Peter wants to do something he's familiar with. The other disciples said, we'll go with you. They get in the boat and they go out in the middle of the sea and there are no fish. They catch nothing all night. Now let's picture this. Let's, let me paint a picture, conjecture on my part, that when there weren't any fish, the disciples would probably lay in the boat and fall asleep. Probably have one hand on the net so they could feel if fish got into the net. But they probably fell asleep. But I wonder if Peter did. I wonder if maybe Peter might have gone out and sat on the bow of that boat. Looked up in the sky. Seen all those stars sprinkled throughout the galaxy. Maybe there's some ripples lapping up against the hull of the boat. Maybe Peter was reflective on his own relationship with the Lord. Maybe he was remembering. Maybe the time, the last time he was in a boat when Jesus called him, said, Peter, come. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Or maybe he thought about the time when Jesus changed his name. He said, oh, Simon, from now on, you'll be Simon Peter Petros, the rock. I'm going to build my church on you and your faith, Simon Peter. Or maybe he would remember another time he's out in the sea and he walked on water. You remember that occasion, don't you? It's a stormy sea. The disciples were out there and they thought they were perishing. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking to them on the water, and they're kind of rubbing their eyes with with the rain in their eyes, and they're looking. Is is that really Jesus? Peter says, Jesus, if that's you, call me out there and walk on water with you. Jesus says, Peter, come. Peter steps out of the boat. He takes several steps, and he gets about halfway to Jesus. He kind of looks down, realizes that he's walking on water. As he takes his focus off Jesus, he drops down in the water. Jesus had to lift him up, put him back in the boat. Or maybe Peter's remembering last week at the Lord's Supper. The last supper when Jesus said, one of you will betray me tonight. And Peter jumped up, said, not me, Lord. I would never betray you. And Jesus said, oh, Peter, before this night's over, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And then, of course, it happened, didn't it? Just a few hours after that, Jesus was arrested. He's being led back and forth. The Pilate and the Herod, Roman soldiers have gotten him, and they're they're beating him and, and torturing him. And somebody says, there, that man, he was with him, pointing to Peter. He says, no, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. I wasn't with him. I don't even know him. And Peter slipped away. A servant girl did the same thing. He, that man, was with him. No, I wasn't, Peter said. Then it happened a third time. 
It says at the end of that third time, when Peter denied him that third time, he said that he heard the rooster crow. And Peter was mindful of Jesus' prophecy just hours before. Not just that. It says that Peter looks over and he sees Jesus being led away to be scourged and their eyes meet. As Jesus looks at him as he's being denied. Well, now the situation is this. Peter still feels awfully bad about that. He doesn't think he could ever be loved. They go fishing. It says that they catch nothing and they look on, on, the, on the beach and they see, they see someone and can't quite make out who it is. They got a fire going and he yells out, children. Well, who's a child of God? As many as received him. To them he gave the right to be called child of God. Cast your net on the other side of the boat. They must have looked at him and wondered who this is. They cast their net on the other side of the boat. They pull in this huge quantity of fish. Almost sinks the little boat. And somebody looks back over at him and says, It's the Lord. And, and Peter jumps in the water. Impetuous Peter. He wants so badly to be reconciled with Jesus. And he swims that hundred yards and he, and he gets up on the, on the beach and the other disciples come pulling in this, the boat full of the fish. And I doubt there was much conversation at first. There was a lot of wonderment, wasn't there? They looked at him and there's a fire going there. I wonder how he started that fire. Just a snap of his fingers. Wait a minute, they're fish. He's cooking fish. He who created those fish, caught those fish, cleaned those fish, cooking those fish. And Jesus serves them almost like he did a week ago at the Last Supper. And now it comes time for Jesus and Peter to have their confrontation. Verse 15. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Now, what's interesting about these three questions that Jesus asks them is that he uses two different words for the word love. They're, of course, the, the agape love, the God's love, the sacrificial love. 
Then the second love is the phileo love, the brotherly love, Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. And Jesus begins this. He says, Peter, do you agape me? Peter says, oh, Lord. You know, I phileo you. I love you, but God, it's not with that sacrificial love. Jesus says, feed my sheep. Jesus says a second, Peter, do you agape me? Oh, Lord, I feel so ashamed. You know that I phileo you. Tend my lambs. And then the third time, Jesus, Jesus changes his word. He comes and meets Peter right where he is. He doesn't want him to feel any more shame. He wants to commission him into ministry. He says, Peter, do you phileo me? Oh, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. He says, take care of the flock. The next few weeks, Peter, having been commissioned into the ministry, would become the leader of the church. And he would see thousands and thousands of people come to know Christ. Because God uses broken sinners. God uses even those of us who wonder, could he possibly love me with what I've done? God wants to forgive you and he wants you to move on. If you're here this morning and you feel a little bit paralyzed in your past sin, you can't imagine God loving you If people here only knew, they wouldn't love you either. My friends, God does love you, and he does forgive you. If you're his child, he wants you to move on. I'll bet Peter felt bad up till the day he died about denying his Lord. But there comes a time to move on. Dave, a word of caution. Before you take your vows, for you, for Jeff, Joe, me, your dad, your uncle, those of us, don't ever get in front of the cross. Tremendous temptation of those of us with a microphone, a spotlight, and accolades being heaped our way to usurp some of the glory and the praise that is only due to Jesus, to get caught up in, in ourselves. Don't get in front of the cross. Dave, do you love him? Feed his sheep. Tend his lambs. Take care of the flock. Let us pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this passage that teaches us about love and forgiveness and your desire to not just forgive us, but to use us. Father, as you look in this congregation this morning, you can see some hearts, Lord, who just don't feel very lovable and don't feel like you could ever uh, forgive them or use them. Oh, God, may they be convinced 
this morning by your spirit that they're forgiven and that you want to use them. And Father, for Dave, Christy, their family, God, what a great day. Calling them into the gospel ministry, ordained to be a pastor with all the privileges and all the responsibility. May this be a sweet time these next few minutes as he takes his vows. May you bless him and Christy in a mighty way these days, weeks, months, and many years to come as they serve the church. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.